Well, if you'll find a copy of God's Word and turn to Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, we're looking at two verses, and so we're actually going to read them uh, three times uh, so that we can, you know, get our money's worth out of standing up. Uh, So if you're using the Pew Bible, that's on page 1,252. If you will stand now as you're able for the reading of God's Word. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. All right, let's do it again. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, Abounding in thanksgiving. One more time. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. So, Father, we pray that you would use this preaching time to further root us in Christ, establish us, Father, uh, build us up, that we might abound all the more in Christ. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, Thursday morning, I was doing some uh, data entry into Excel, you know, all that administrative stuff that you think it's going to go quickly and it just doesn't. And as I was entering in values into an Excel spreadsheet, the craziest thing happened. I was almost done, and the program crashed. And uh, it was real bad. And I opened it back up, and I'd lost most of what I'd been doing for the previous 30 minutes. You've done that before, I know. Now, I should have known better, because it had done that about 45 minutes before. And instead of saving my work as I went, I just assumed that it would be okay. Well, when that happens, uh, the only thing I know to do is to restart the computer. Uh, And so I closed out. I had a lot of programs open. I didn't realize quite how many. I closed out all my programs. I saved my work, what was left of it, and I clicked restart. That fixed the problem, and I was able to continue and to finish my work. You know, sometimes we need a good spiritual reset. Sometimes the only thing that will cause your computer to work right is to reset it, to get rid of all that memory that's being used up that you're not aware of, and it resets it when you reset your computer, and you can begin afresh again. Sometimes we need a spiritual reset. Just like I had too many applications working on my computer, sometimes in our lives we're listening to too many different voices and we're being pulled in too many different directions. Or perhaps we've let certain spiritual disciplines go that we've often relied on to keep us healthy spiritually. Or perhaps we've let some sin um, sneak into our lives or openly allowed it in. And our, and our lives, our spiritual lives, just, just are, are anemic. Sometimes, just like a computer needs a good reset, sometimes we do too, to take stock, start over, and seek the Lord afresh. 
Certainly the Colossians had a lot going on in their lives. Living in a small town that had seen its glory days go by, they were walking with the Lord in an age and living in an empire that did not appreciate Christianity. And and increasingly, persecution was going uh, to become more and more an issue as the decades went on in the first century. They they worshipped a God without a temple, which was the strangest thing ever to the Romans. They didn't have an idol that they bowed down to. And they had been called to salvation out of a very um, sexually charged society and culture. There was often sexual uh, perversions were often included in the worship of false gods. And so they had come out of that being called into holiness. And you know that pull, that temptation to their old way of life was, was really very fierce. On top of that, on top of the normal pressures of everyday life that they and we face, there was this false doctrine that was beginning to seep in along the edges of the church. And we're not sure how, how rooted it had become in the congregation by this point, but certainly when there's false doctrine and certain people start believing it and you have these, these big names that start teaching it, there can be divisions within the congregation. They had a lot going on. And in the midst of all of these things, Paul the Lord, who through Paul, the Lord tells them and to us, okay, remember Jesus. Just as you receive the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Lord, is actually what the text says, so walk in Him. Just pause, just step back in the midst of the craziness of life and, and hit that reset button on your spiritual life. You know, Sundays are like that. Every Sunday is like this. No matter what last week held... We start again this week. No matter our triumphs and our failures of last week, because I know you had both, we get to start over. We get to thank God for what He's done in our lives, and we get to ask for forgiveness for the bad things we have done, and we hit reset, and we keep on moving. Do you need a spiritual reset this morning? I think most of the time we, we do need one to take stock, seek the Lord afresh. Paul begins in verse 6 by calling them and us to remember how they first received Christ. He says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. I really like the language of receiving Christ. Uh, in fact, a lot of times when, I'm, I'm, uh, when I am doing evangelism and it's time to, to call for the question, I think a great way to say is, hey, would would you like to pray to receive Christ? I like that kind of language because receiving means that it's a gift. It's not something that we earn. It's not something we merit. Paul had preached to Epaphras uh, the gospel, who had heard it apparently in Ephesus and who was converted. And then he uh, went back to his home area, the Lycus Valley, which included uh, Colossae, and he preached that others might receive the good news of Jesus. And in doing so, you don't just receive good news, you receive Jesus. You receive the gift of salvation as we are united to Christ in salvation. You know, the world r- runs itself crazy, and a lot of times we buy back into this, this agenda of, of seeking things of acceptance, of significance, of meaning, of purpose. We, we run after things, uh, we run for these things in areas that, that only God can provide. As we think about significance, our significance is in Christ. 
that we have been declared the, the children of God. You want to talk about significance, that we would have God's last name as our own family name now, and our, and our lives would be um, sealed in this life and in the next. And yet, the, the culture around us is, is running to seek, to earn, to merit, to acquire satisfaction that only God can provide in Christ. We have received Christ, and yet oftentimes we, we too begin to look for those things outside of Jesus, knowing at least in our heads that only Christ will satisfy. Remember how you first received salvation? Sometimes you don't know the day or hour. My wife is that way sometime in high school. I, I remember when I was four. Do you remember the day of your salvation? Certainly you remember the season of your salvation. And how there was a zeal and a fervor. You may not have known everything you know now, at least I hope. Right? I hope you know more now than you did then. But, but you remember the joy. Do you remember the joy of receiving forgiveness? Of being made new? How life was different and it overflowed in everything in your life. Your relationships were different. Your outlook was changed. Sealed with the Holy Spirit. You couldn't keep your mouth shut about what happened. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so continue to walk in Him. Paul uses three names and titles for Jesus here. Jesus, Christ, and Lord. First, Jesus. Jesus is an actual person. Uh, I think sometimes we speak of Jesus as... Um, we, 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 we say His name so much that we forget that, that Jesus is a person. A real historical person. He really was born. He really did die. He really was raised. And he really does continue to live forever in heaven. He is eternally God and man. This is our hope in a person. He is Christ. He is the promised Messiah. Foretold all the way going back to Genesis 3. That God was going to send one who would be anointed by God in a special way to bring His kingdom. And finally, He is Lord. I think there's a real emphasis here on Jesus Christ as Lord. This, this is language that uh, Paul uses infrequently enough to, for us to say, okay, what are you trying to tell us here, Paul? Christ Jesus, the Lord. You know, Lord is a word that we throw around a lot, but I think as Americans we don't fully understand because we, don't, we haven't lived in a culture where there's nobility. A Lord is someone who has authority over you, who is your master. In our conversion, Jesus didn't just become our Savior. He did. Praise Jesus for that. But He also became our Lord. Now, now let me say that actually Jesus is Lord whether we accept Him or not. And one day, every, every knee shall bow and say that Jesus Christ, He's Lord. Right? Whether, whether it's willingly or unwillingly, He is Lord. But in conversion, we are accepting Christ as our... We are receiving Christ as our Savior, what He did for us on our account, and bowing our knee in submission to Him as He is the master of my life. Now, let me say something. I live most of the time, day to day, moment to moment, as I am the master of my life. Don't you do that? We assume that, that we're in charge. 
moment to moment. But in reality, there is another one who has control of our lives. And his name is Jesus Christ, the Lord. A good many years ago, I bought a new computer. And I gave an old one to a family member. I, it wasn't much of a gift. It, was, it didn't have a whole lot of legs left on it. But before I gave it, I, re, I reformatted it. I, I took everything off, the music, the, um, the pictures, you know, the Word documents. I took all of that off. And so it reset basically to its original programming. A lot of times in our lives, at least I know in my life, I can um, establish new patterns in my life that uh, assume that I answer basically to myself. Sometimes we have to reformat our lives, have a, have a reset to go back to that original programming to remind ourselves that, that, no, Jesus is Lord. It's His values, His kingdom, not my own. It's His rules, it's His leaning, not my own. That we really do need to consult with Jesus before perhaps even we get out of bed in the morning. Because here's the thing, He's so much better at it than we are. We buy into the lie that my life will be awesome if I just fulfill my own desires. Have you seen Burger King's new, um, new motto? It used to be, have it your way. Isn't that right? Isn't that what Burger King was? Now it's, you ready for this? You rule. Isn't that interesting? They really doubled down here. And I think they sell Sprite, which is obey your thirst. And while you wear your Nikes, just do it. You know, these kinds of, of, um, of, logo, of, of slogans really are, are, are genius. Because they get right at how we normally live. You rule. Now, that can mean two things. One, it's you're awesome. Slang for, man, you're awesome. You're rule. But isn't it interesting that, they, that their big thing is the king with the crown? And, you know, and they'll give you a crown so you can wear it. And so you can go into Burger King, wear a crown, and they're going to say, you rule. You're in charge. And that's how we live our lives. But there's no hope there. There's no joy there. There's no freedom there. Instead, it's to be found in walking with Jesus, our Lord. And that's what he says next. He, he says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so, because of that, based on that, walk in Him. You know, when you buy a new computer, uh, you'll find that you have two options. You have Mac and everything else. That's, that's basically how it works, Right? You have the good computer, and then you have everything else. Uh, you know, the good company, they make the iPhone, all that kind of stuff, and then you have everything else. Now, here's the thing. Apple, Mac, will not run Windows normally. Some guru is going to tell you you can't do it. But, but Windows won't run Mac programs. Right? This, this is what happens when we become believers, by the way. We, we become new computers. We, we have a whole different operating system now. The old is gone. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And there's no going back to that. And something that has happened in the past, like when you buy a new computer of a specific operating software, you can't change it. And it's going to have long-lasting implications for not only this life, but the one to come. And so when we receive Christ Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, it's changed everything, and we can never go back. And so in light of who we are as new believers in Christ, as, as being united to Christ, as having new hearts, so walk like it's the truth. You 
you know, Jesus remains now the same as he was when we were first converted. Nothing has changed about him. The terms of service haven't changed. The truths of Scripture have not changed. These two verses are sandwiched between two passages warning the Colossians about the dangers of false teachers. And he's telling them to remember what they were taught about Jesus. And don't fall into the trap again of listening to those who would add something to who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Have you heard the old line, Jesus plus anything equals nothing? Have you heard that before? Jesus is all we need. And when we add to Jesus, we no longer have Christianity. And there's no hope, right? Jesus and Jesus alone is our hope in this life and the next. And and so remember the gospel that you first believed. Continue to, to believe that. And when someone comes up to you and says, you've got to read this book, right? Hey, it's a great book. Read it. Fantastic. But you must read this book in order to be the next level Christian. Or you have to give to this kind of ministry if you really love Jesus. Be aware. Beware of those things. What you first believed, um, I hope you're growing and learning more about it. But you know, the gospel is not something that we graduate out of. As one commentator put it, he said, the gospel is not just our gym pass, it's our personal trainer. Or as uh, Tim Keller likes to say, Christianity is, uh, the gospel is not the ABCs of Christianity, it's the A2Zs. But primarily in this text, he's talking about holiness. As we receive Christ as Savior and Lord, and when He slew the power of sin in our lives and forgave us of our guilt, now having been transformed, the Lord calls us, commands us, requires us, and enables us to live out that identity, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. See, Paul's uh, drawing on, referring to, I think, expanding on something that he's already said in Colossians 1.10 where he says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. You know, when you do a reset, uh, you know, I first had to close out all those applications, had to take stock of what was running, I had to save things in order to make sure I didn't lose them. Um, I encourage you to take stock of your life. How you doing? Are you walking in a manner worthy of the Lord? Are you walking as you receive Christ the Lord? If someone were to see you at school or driving uh, or at the workplace or at the gym, would they say that you're walking as you receive Christ? What about your spouse or your children? That's a tough one. Or your parents or your friends? Sometimes computers get infected with viruses, which causes them to act in ways contrary to their original programming. You know, a lot of times it'll just cause your computer just keep shutting down. You can't even get it started. And a lot of times we let that kind of virus into our hearts, and it's called sin, and it hijacks our lives. It's like malware that we have to be on guard against. How are we to do these things? The good news is that the Lord didn't leave us on our own devices in order to, or to our own devices, in order to be able to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. 
to walk in a manner that is consistent with as we received him as Christ the Lord. Um, I was doing my Bible study this morning in John 15, and, very, and it's, oh, it's an amazing text where, where he's talking about, you know, Jesus is the vine, uh, he's the true vine, and we are the branches. You know, every, every um, branch that doesn't produce fruit, he's going to cut it off. And then it has this part where it says, and every branch that produces fruit, you ready for this? He's going to prune that he might grow more fruit. And then he goes on to say that you can't do anything without me. That's how the Christian life is. When when we become aware that I can't do this thing on my own or I feel powerless, that's exactly where Jesus wants you. Because when you think, when I think we can do this on my own, on your own, on our own, we are setting ourselves up for trouble because we were never programmed to do it like that. Instead, he's going to use four different verbs to talk about what God is doing to us. The first one, rooted, uh, is actually in what's called the perfect tense in Greek. That's important only because what it means is that it's something that has happened in the past and continues to have ongoing implications for life. In conversion, we were rooted in Christ. I think Paul has in mind here probably Psalm 1, which speaks of the blessed man. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. Just like a tree finds its strength, nourishment, and very life in good, rich soil, Christians also find our strength and and nourishment and very life in Jesus. You want to know how to, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? You want to know how to walk in such a way that reflects how you receive Jesus? It's not to do it in your own strength. You can't do it on your own strength. But Jesus promises to help you. And he's given us tools to do it. He's given us corporate worship on Sundays. He's given us the the fellowship of the saints. You know, we are here to help each other. And my prayer is that, one of my prayers is that the gospel would so work its way into our lives that we would be vulnerable with each other and be able to say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. Would you pray for me? Would you help me? Would you keep me accountable? Would you call me and just see how I'm doing? That's what God calls us to. James tells us to confess our sins one to another. He's given us the church to help each other. We have the sacraments, Lord's Supper and baptism. We have prayer. We have Christian friendships. You know, there's a a tree that grows in a desert in Africa that has the deepest taproot ever discovered. 77 yards deep. Think about that. That is a a root that goes 77 yards deep, 230 feet. That is amazing. And, And because of that, that tree called the shepherd's tree, according to Wikipedia, where you can believe everything you ever read, uh, that tree is able to withstand really bad conditions. And we've been rooted in Christ, able to withstand hard times. Now, there's ongoing work here too, quickly. We are being built up. The Greek it really says being built up. We have been built up. We are being built up. This is ongoing kind of thing. You know, you plant something in the ground and expect it to grow. Have you ever grown? Have you ever planted kudzu? I hope not, right? 
Uh, you can get free cuttings along the, the road. You can buy the seed on Amazon, I found out. Uh, don't, don't plant kudzu, but if you do, you expect it to grow, right? And this is the same thing with the Christian life, that we have been rooted in Christ, and something that is rooted grows, and something that is being built up, if you go along the road and, there, and you, you see one row of bricks laid at a, at a house, you don't expect it to stay there. We are being built up together. We are being established in the faith. I like what the NIV says here. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. This is the, there's an academic side here. There's, a, there's an intellectual side here. The feelings are important, but more important is learning the Word of God and growing in its knowledge and memorizing it. Why? Because our feelings lie to us all the time. But the Word of God, it, it constrains our emotions. It shows us when they're out of whack. It's like, they're, it's like guardrails that point us to Jesus when our affections are heading other areas. Finally, um, Paul says, abounding in thanksgiving. One commentator said that thankfulness is a good test of our spiritual state. Thankfulness is a good test of our spiritual state. You know, the more we get to know Christ, the more we are driven to worship and praise and give thanks to Him. You know, good theology, studying theology, always leads to doxology. The study of God leads to the praise of God. That's a really important thing to keep in mind. If, 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 if in our study of theology, and do study theology, please read hard, good books. But if it's not driving us to worship of God, then, then we, we're doing it for the wrong reasons. The word abounding here has the connotations of an overflowing dam, a cup that is overflowing, or kind of like when you pour Coke into a cup too quickly. What happens? It makes a mess, right? It overflows. That's the image of the, the thankfulness in our hearts, overflowing, abounding, as we were reminded more and more of what God has done for us. So how do we land this plane? Sometimes we need a reset. Sometimes our lives have become too crowded. Sometimes our lives have, have gone in the different, wrong direction. Sometimes we've let things seep into our lives, our relationships, our marriages, our hearts. And we find that there might be a virus in there. Or we just don't have the bandwidth to seek the Lord like we should because of our schedules. Or perhaps we're harboring bitterness against someone or just straight up running from God. Do you, do you need a reset? The thing is that there aren't hoops to jump through. There, there aren't forms to fill out. There's not a waiting period. Jesus stands ready. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God calls you back to Him. Run to Him and walk in a manner that reflects of how you were first saved. But for those who haven't received Christ, let me tell you that Jesus offers to do things for you that you cannot, you simply cannot do for yourself and the world cannot give you. He will forgive you of all the times you've sinned against Him. 
He will transfer you out of Satan's kingdom and into his own. He will give you spiritual life instead of the spiritual death that is true of you right now. He will give you his Holy Spirit. He will promise always to love you. He will make you a child of God, and he will welcome you home in heaven when you die. But you first have to receive him. You can't earn these things. They're not bought, they're given. You do this by repenting of your sin, turning from your sin and turning to Jesus, asking him to forgive you and trusting in what he has done for you and for your salvation. He would gladly welcome you, and we'd love to have another brother or sister in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us uh, to walk in Christ just as as we received Jesus Christ the Lord. Lord, we thank you that we've been rooted in Christ. We pray that you continue to root us deeper into that soil, build us up, establish us, and that our lives would abound in thanksgiving. We pray these things in the name of Christ. Amen.